Oh, come on, church. Can you put your hands together? Aren't you thankful that we serve a generous God? I'm thankful to also be a part of a generous church that gives with open hands. Um, we're so grateful that you partner with us. Um, I want to just express some thanks. I know Pastor Tommy did it, but all of those who gave to make Light the Night happen, that was a huge undertaking, and we're so appreciative of all that you gave to be an outreach to our community, to love on those in our uh, city, and we just want to say thank you. Uh, my name is Holly. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. Uh, Pastor Scott and Darla are with a leadership team uh, this week strategizing on ways that we're going to work on building the kingdom as sister churches. Um, so I have the honor of kicking off our series, Jen or Us. Um, and uh, something you might not know about me. I do have a degree in theology, but I also have a degree in business. I have an entrepreneurial spirit, and it started at a very young age because I was raised in a household where we did chores because we were a part of the family, not because we were going to get an allowance. Anyone else with me? You know that struggle? Okay, okay, I see you. You knew it. So if I wanted pocket change, I had to make lemonade or do something. So uh, I devised a plan. I was going to do a backyard carnival. I set up like ring toss and bean bags and all these things. I gathered all of the neighborhood kids and charged them to play in my backyard. Very lucrative until all the parents found out that I shook their children down for their Christmas money and my parents made me give it all back. Uh, I wasn't allowed to play Pokemon as a kid, um, partially because my parents didn't have enough money to buy me Pokemon cards, but somehow I got my hands on like the green leaf energy card, uh, and if you know anything about Pokemon, it's worthless, um, but I took that little green leaf energy card, and Hustler Holly took that little card to a game, and I convinced people that it was the most elite exclusive energy card, that they should trade me their holographic Charizard for my little green leaf. And somehow I ended up with a stack of Pokemon cards about this thick just from hustling in the neighborhood. Uh, I once extorted my neighbor's cat accidentally for the, the reward money. Uh, I also wanted to own every animal on the planet, so I found what I thought was a lost cat. Turns out it was an outdoor cat. Um, so I captured my neighbor's cat and kept it in my garage behind our freezer. For weeks. And my mother's allergic, and so I had to, like, hide it, and it was this whole thing. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing these posters up on our street about a lost cat, and I realized I had kidnapped this cat. <laughs> so I take it back, and when I went to, and rang the doorbell with the cat under my arm, my neighbor was so grateful, she gave me $20. And I had never seen, like, I had never owned $20 on my own. Like, I was, like, eight, and so I just didn't say anything and was like, you're welcome. <laughs> I've always been a bit of a hustler, um, but I want to talk to you today about a heavenly hustle that's depicted in Jesus' first sermon in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Jesus is teaching, and he says, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's the heavenly hustle right there. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where the, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the eye is the lamp of the body, and if the eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if the eyes are unhealthy, the whole body, body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
Who feels uncomfortable right now? <laughs> no one's being honest. It's okay. Uh, you, because it's, sometimes when, when the church talks about money or giving or generosity or finances, you get that little pit in your stomach. You get a little nervous. You put one hand on your wallet. Take a deep breath. This is not that message. Uh, the first thing I want to say, um, if you have your notes, it's number one, don't let the devil hustle you. As scripture says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The enemy of your soul wants to rob you of the truth that there is blessing that flows out of a life of generosity. He wants you to have that pit in your stomach. He wants you to believe the lies that he speaks, that you don't have enough, that you can't give, that you don't have the time to serve. He wants to lie to you to keep you out of a blessing that belongs to you. Have you ever been robbed? I've been robbed. My home has been burglarized twice. Don't live in a great neighborhood. Not planning on moving. I have a husband now. He keeps me safe. But the first time I was robbed, it was July 4th. Nobody heard shattering glass amidst all of the fireworks. So I came home, and I opened the door, and, like, this humidity meets me. And I'm like, that is weird. And then I look over, and my TV is gone. And I haven't put it together yet. It's a little slow. Uh, and I was like, that's weird. And I keep walking into my house, and there's shattered glass all over the kitchen where my French door used to stand. And I slowly come to the realization that I have been robbed. And I was furious. I was so upset. How dare someone break into my home where I live and take something that belongs to me and try to take my sense of security in my own home? I was so angry. But I've been robbed actually several times because I have sisters. Anybody else have sisters? My little sister. She robs me in a much more... Uh, covert way. You know what she does? Goes into my closet, takes that dress. And do you know what? When I come home after being ransacked by my sister, I, I don't come in and I'm not like, a dress is missing. No, because it's sneaky. It's not the same way when I walked in and my television was gone and there was broken glass. I knew it. And the enemy of your soul, when he's trying to hustle you, is not as overt as the thieves that burglarized my home. They are covert like my sister. He comes in and he just steals a little bit. Just a little bit. Gets you to believe one lie. To try to rob you of the blessing that belongs to you as a child of God when you line your life up with his word. And his word is true and it's good. And he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. But the enemy wants you to believe, he wants to rob you of that blessing and have you believe if you give, you ha won't have enough for you. He wants to take from you the blessing that belongs to you by lying and stealing the little bits of truth that you hear as you come and you listen to the word of God. I have a friend who is a recent new homeowner. So we were talking about home things. And he started talking about how he has his um, air filters delivered automatically. He goes, you know, because you need to change your air filter every 15 days. I said, you, you don't have a particularly, like, massive house. You don't have pets. You don't have allergies. The Internet says you could probably get away with it for 90 days. Who told you 
that you needed to change your air filter every 15 days. The company that sold me the air filters. <laughs> and they do that because they're making six times as much on him believing that truth. And some of you feel like that's what the church's motivation is when it talks about giving. You come in and you've got your arms crossed and you're a little skeptical and you're going, you just want me to give because it's going to benefit you or your church. When we talk about giving and we talk about generosity, our motivation is the same as when we talk about how to pray or what worship looks like or how to live in healthy biblical marriages. Our heart is to help align our lives with the word and the heart of God because every time we align an area of our life with the word of God, it increases in quality. And if you have any bit of doubt that that's the motivation here, and you're not a giver, George Barna did a study in 2000 and said 25% of those who attend church regularly and profess to be Christians have never given anything. And that might be where you're at. And we would love for you to take a step into generosity and obedience with God. But if you have any question of our motivation, start giving somewhere else. Because our heart is not to see how much we can shake you down for. It's to see you align your life in this particular area with the word of God so that you can walk in greater abundance in your financial life. Because the word of God says, the Lord says, test me in this, in bringing the tithe into the storehouse. So if you feel uncomfortable doing it here, do it somewhere else. Because we want to see you being the most blessed that you can be so you can be a blessing to the kingdom. So other people can come to know Jesus. That's our motivation. And don't let the enemy hustle you out of the blessing that belongs to you. When you give, that you're going to be more blessed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The enemy wants to hustle you. And the second thing is, don't overlook eternity. Scripture says, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, the enemy has a scheme. And it's this. He wants you to be so overwhelmed and overcome and overburdened and stressed out about the cares of this world that you never stop to consider eternity. He wants your anxiety to be at an all-time high, you to be living and operating in fear and not in faith. He wants you to be overcome and overwhelmed and not stop to think about the heaven that awaits you as a child of God. He wants to keep beating you down with that anxiety and that burden, and then you never consider, you overlook eternity. If you are a follower of Jesus, your best life you are not currently living. Your best life is yet to come. It is heaven. It is eternity with Christ Jesus who has prepared a place for you. Don't be so overwhelmed by the cares of this world. Jesus knew it even as he taught the parable of the sower, which is a parable where the seeds represent the word of God. And it falls on different kinds of soil that represents the heart of man. And one is the heart, uh, the, the soil that had thorns in it. And it's a heart that receives the word with joy at first. It sprouts up quickly. But the cares of this world come and choke it out. 
And the enemy wants nothing more than for your, your time in church and with a community of believers to be nothing more than a moment of joy that he's going to choke out when he gets you with your eyes off of Jesus and onto the cares of this world that overwhelm and choke you out. The enemy wants you to overlook eternity so you never invest in eternity. Jesus knew this. In this teaching in Matthew chapter 6, he continues on. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, which is the very next verse after where we just stopped, saying you can't serve both God and money, it says, therefore, and anytime scripture says therefore, it's important to look at what preceded it because it's linked. That's what the word therefore means. I don't know what I'm doing with my hand. I'm going to stop. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Jesus draws a direct correlation to where your focus is, where your heart is at, and what is mastering you to your anxiety. And he wants, the enemy wants for you to be overcome with anxiety. And Jesus speaks to the people that are there listening to him and says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. It continues and it says, look at the birds of the air, how the Lord cares for them. How much more is he going to care for you, his children whom he loves? He says, oh, ye of little faith, because it's easy to read those words. It's harder to put it into practice. When your anxiety is kicking into high gear, when the bills are due and you don't know how they're going to get paid, when your job is looking like it's gonna, you're going to lose it, when all of these anxieties and the cares of this world start to come around you, to choose not to be, O ye of little faith, but to choose to seek first the kingdom of God, which is verse 33, and all these things will be added to you. Don't overlook eternity. The third thing is don't lose track of your heart. Scripture says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My uh, younger sister, remember the thief, the closet thief? She was doing the transitions in our young adult service last week, and she was referring to this scripture, and she said something that just cut me to the core. She said, God isn't after your money, but he is after your heart. He is after your heart, and where we put our treasure. That's what we value. And when we sit at the end of the month, my husband and I, and we go through our budget, and I would encourage you to budget. Um, we go through, we do our little Dave Ramsey budgeting, financial piece, all very good things. Um, thank you. Uh, we go through, we do our budget, and we see. We see the things that we valued that month. And sometimes... In full transparency, there are things that we say we value, but our money doesn't follow that. Our treasure doesn't follow that. You know what's a big thing for us? Eating out. You want to know why? Because we value convenience over discipline. Transparency. And we say, okay, next month we're going to be so good. We're going to buy all the groceries, and then all the groceries go bad in the fridge. Because where your treasure is, your heart is. But when we systematically go, we're coming up to the kingdom builder's offering, and we're going to do something that is, that is above and beyond our tithe to give. We have to plan. And my husband will tell you, of the two of us, I 
am the naturally more generous. When we were first getting married, um, we were coming up to this Kingdom Builders offering, and it was before we were married. We were just newly engaged, and I said, as as an engaged couple, as we're getting ready to get married, I want the first thing we do to be an investment in the kingdom of God. Let's pray about how much we're going to give, and then we'll come back together. And we did that. And the Holy Spirit, either one of us missed it, or we're speaking two different things. (laughs) And so I had the bigger number, and I said, baby, I really think, I really think, I really think we should do this. I really think we should invest in this way. And he said, okay, I trust you, I believe you. That's what we'll give. And when, when I tell you when, you when you follow God in obedience, and it's, it's, it's equal obedience, not equal giving, God's looking for us to be obedient to what he asks us to do. We were planning a wedding. I don't know if you've ever planned a wedding, but they are expensive. The day that we wrote our check and dropped it in the offering, I was notified that I won a free wedding dress. custom lace wedding dress. Because when you're obedient, there are blessings that follow. And I'm not saying, the blessings that you walk in are not always material. So don't give and then be like, where's my material blessing? Because the relational capital that I have as a part of the kingdom of God far outweighs any amount of money I could ever have. The blessing that is being a part of the body. But my heart is for this body. My heart is for the global body. And so I want my treasure to reflect where my heart is. And sometimes I've got a plan. And I've got to make use of what I have. And there are people in this room, and I know that you're here. And you go, I would love to give, but maybe I have a spouse. I'm a single, I'm a single Christian. A spouse who wouldn't let me give. Or I have this extenuating circumstance. Or you, you, don't, you don't know. I always encourage people, look at what you have. And ask God, how can I use what I have for your glory? How can I give what I have? Because there are things that we treasure that are not finances. We have a a small home, but it has an extra bedroom. And in the four, almost five years that we've been married, for over two of those years, we have had a rotating roommate in that front bedroom. We've opened our home to people because it's something that we have that we can bless someone else with. We have a car. And on Friday, we got a phone call that, that two of our little Portuguese girls needed a ride to a small group, and we were just settling in for our 12th hour of Netflix on our day off. Just kidding. But we were, we were going to turn on the TV. And I said, you know what? I could sit here and watch the TV, or I can get in my car and drive to pick up these girls and drive them to their small group. And last night, they gave us the most precious thank you notes. That really touched my heart. But what do you have and how can you use what you have? And as a, as a minister, you can become very busy with the, the things. There's always things to do in the church. There's always tasks to cross off and things to plan. But I always want to make sure that my heart is for ministry and that's where my treasure goes. And sometimes my treasure is my possessions. Sometimes my treasure is my money. Sometimes it's my time. And the Lord is so faithful in shaking me up when I need to have a little wake-up call a few months ago, maybe weeks ago, something like that, some amount of time ago, um, one of our single moms posted in the moms group and said, hey, I'm looking for someone with a truck and some muscle. I, I need to pick up this couch, and I have to pick up my son, and then I have to go to the bank and get the money and all these things. I looked at my husband, and I said, we could do this after work. 
We could get the Jesus truck. We could drive. You have muscles. I have muscles. I'm a little stronger than you, actually. <laughs> Tommy told me in between services, he goes, you didn't roast me at all today. And I said, okay, that can change. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, we drove, and we picked up this couch, and we took it to the single mom so that she wouldn't have to. And that was what ministry looked like that day. Holly and Tommy, moving business. A few weeks later, I had a single mom post in that same mom's group. Uh, and she said, my son has pink eye. He's been sent home from daycare. I'm in nursing school. If I miss too many days, I'm going to get dropped from my program, and I'm going to have to start over. I have no one that will take my son. Is there anyone that could have any resources? So I said, I'll take him. The Lord will protect me from pink eye, from a two-year-old who does nothing but touch his eyes and then want to touch your eyes. So that day, I, I sat in VIP. He ran circles around me as I worked on my sermon, and I thought, this is what ministry looks like. And I want to challenge you, don't lose track of your heart because the cares of the world are overwhelming. The enemy wants to tell you, 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 you have nothing left to give or that you have nothing of value to give or what you could give is too small, so why would it even matter? Those are all lies the enemy is trying to hustle you out of the blessing that when you align your heart with the word of God and act and live in generosity. The fourth thing is don't direct your eyes to darkness. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if the eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Where, do your, where does your gaze go? Where does your attention go? Where is your mind eye dwelling? 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, Those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And we live in a culture that plays right into the enemy's hand with this. Into creating a culture of keeping up with the Joneses. Social media has made us do be full-time comparison takers of other people and what their look like, life looks like versus what our life looks like and where we'd like our life to look like. But what we give our attention to is so important. It says when you're, then your whole body, if your eye's healthy, is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, if you're, what you're focused on is unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. And it's talking about like being blind. If your eyes are unhealthy, then the way that you live your life becomes increasingly more difficult. It's not as easy to, to move and to act and to live simply because our eyes are fixated on the wrong things. And the last thing that I want to note is don't be mastered by material. No one can serve two masters. Either he will love one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I remember the first time I saw third world poverty up close. I was 14 years old and my parents took um, all four kids and themselves to Uganda, Africa to build homes for our friends at Watoto. And at the end of the trip, we went and we had lunch with one of the families. And the way Watoto works is they take widows and they take orphans and they make families. And these little children who have so much less than any child in America were so filled with joy and with gratitude and just the love of Jesus 
but they had so little. But they weren't mastered by material. And it really challenged me as an adolescent to hold loosely to the things of this world. Because if you hold loosely to the things of this world, well then when you lose the things of this world, it doesn't affect you so deeply. When, when your life doesn't look like what you thought it should look like, or when you don't have what you thought you would, where you'd be in your life or in your job, but you value the things that matter, and you invest in the things that matter, and you invest in the things of eternity, then you learn how to not be mastered by material. And I love that the series is called Gen or Us, because it's all about every part of the body bringing what you can to the table. Being faithful with what you have and what you can give and what you can be a part of. And I, there's a story that I'd like to close with. Uh, we have a college of ministry here. And um, over the summer, one of the girls that we knew was coming was in need of a home. And when I say she was in need of a home, she didn't have a home to go to. And so my husband started calling people and saying, could you take her in? Do you have a spare room? And this beautiful woman who's new to our family said, I, I could take someone in. She said, my, my husband recently passed, and I have a house that's too big for just me. And I could take her in. She can live with me. And in a time where it would be very easy to become inward focused on the pain of losing a spouse, this beautiful sister said, how can I give? How can I serve? And so she took in this beautiful young lady. And it's been such an honor and a privilege to walk alongside of her as this year is gonna be a year of building, of growing, they truly believe this young woman is going to change the world. But as we started to learn bits of her story and who she was, there's, she's had a lot of opposition in her life. And one of the things, um, she never learned how to drive a car. So when she comes to church, she'll wake up at 5 in the morning on a Sunday to walk to the bus stop, to take the bus, to get here to church. And when someone heard that, they said, I could... I could give a bike. I could give a bike. She could get there faster. She wouldn't have to walk as far. I could give a bike. So they got her a bike. And at the beginning, as we were walking through this journey with her, she was uh, struggling with sickness and um, started asking her some questions. And she said, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating every day. And because of faithful volunteers at our Palmetto location, it has a food pantry. Every week she gets fresh groceries and fresh produce, and she's doing much better, better physically. So she was like, okay, we, we, so we gave her this bike, but nobody ever taught her how to ride a bike. So we're like, okay, we're gonna teach you how to ride a bike. And so out there in the parking lot, we started teaching her how to ride a bike. And the first day was a struggle. She'll tell you it was a struggle. And part of it was the, the gravel and the unevenness of the lot. 
And so we thought, oh, let's move over to the new parking lot. It's freshly paved. It's like a, a little track over there. So the next day, she did a little bit better, and then a little bit better. And as I was watching her go around this track, beaming with pride, I remembered that last year, that was our Kingdom Builder project. That parking lot. That fresh pavement. That when you gave, you were giving to a parking spots, but you had no idea that you were pouring the foundation for this sweet, incredible young lady who was going to change the world to start taking steps to take control of her life and start to move into the destiny and the calling that God has on her one decision at a time. There are stories of the miraculous that are unfolding because of your faithfulness that you won't be able to see until heaven. But I love that story because it was someone who said, I can give her groceries, and someone else who said, I could get her a bike, and someone else who said, I can give her a bus pass for the time being, and I can, I can, I can open my home. And I love it because the, the song we sang, it says, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's the heart of the Father, to invest deeply in going after the one. And it happened because several people brought what they could to the table, and it changed this young lady's life. And I believe that at the end of the nine months, there's going to be a radical testimony out of her life. And I can't wait to share it with you. Because God's not done writing her story. But it's because of faithfulness of partners like you, who love, who invest, who give. And I want to challenge you to always be open to being obedient with what you have when the Lord asks you to give. And you might not see how it changes someone's life, but as pastors, I get to see it up close. And I get to hear story after story after story after story about how the love of God flowing through his church is reaching people. And I'm honored to be a part of a church that believes in generosity and it is gen or us. It is you, it is me, it is all of us bringing what we have and being faithfully obedient to the call of God. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me for prayer? The prayer team is going to join me at the altar and those who are serving communion. Um, but we're going to turn our hearts to the Lord. And in this moment, we're we intentionally become heavenly minded. One of the key strategies to not being mastered by material is thanksgiving. So God, in this moment, we give thanks for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that we have all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all done things wrong. And that because of that, we were deserving of hell. But you took a punishment that was not yours and paid a debt you did not owe because your love for us was so incredibly great that while we were still sinners, you died for us. God, you call us to live like Jesus and that one day we're going to walk into eternity in paradise with you. So believing that that is the most important central message, we're going to pray a prayer together. If you would repeat after me and saying, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me of the things I've done wrong. Give me a new heart. Help me to live like Jesus all the days of my life.
before we finish this prayer, look this way. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to encourage you to meet with one of our prayer partners. I just want to celebrate with you, give you some resource, and celebrate what God's doing in your life. If you're new here, we would love for you to stop by our VIP room. Um, we have a gift we want to give you and answer any questions you might have about the church, let you know what Hope has to offer you and your family. Also, at the conclusion of the service, if you do have time to stop by the Volunteer Central Room to leave a message for Pastor and Darla, that would bless them so much. But I'm just going to close. Um, and after this final prayer, the altars will open, the communion tables will come. So we just say thank you, Jesus. God, thank you that you gave and that you continue to give so much to us. Lord, help us to always have that perspective of gratitude to be filled with your grace Father and to be obedient to be obedient to what you ask of us as we give, as we sow, as we store up treasure in heaven and that one day when we come into paradise the treasure that awaits us will show a life well spent we pray these things in Jesus name Amen and Amen Come forward for prayer, come forward for communion.